Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations in the media industry. Today, we explore the relationship between the worlds of journalism and PR, and we are joined by Helen Croydon, journalist, PR trainer, and host of the Media Insider podcast. She is here to talk about fluff, buzzwords, and all the other press release pet peeves that frustrate journalists, but for the PRs tuning in today, you'll find out exactly what the difference is between a pitch that gets overlooked versus one that is taken up. As I'm now having made that leap from journalism to PR, what I now see is that there are a load of really young junior PRs that are in like a first job or a second job and they're just following instructions and they really have no idea how journalists work and the last thing they need is a snappy journalist it's just they they don't know and they've been given instructions to blindly pitch something. I am joined by Helen Croydon who has spent a little bit of time uh, both in the worlds of journalism and PR thanks for joining us very much Helen Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment with the Media Insider podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the Media Insider is for anyone who pitches to the press, really. So that's predominantly PRs. It's also freelance journalists, uh, like I used to be. And anyone who wants to be an expert or a thought leader or someone who just wants to be in the press and get there, you know, be be an expert in the press because there's an increasing number of those around. Um, And I started it because I'm an ex-journalist, still am an occasional journalist, uh, but more recently I've moved into PR myself um, and I know how hard it is to pitch to the press. So when I was a freelance journalist, I was pitching to the press all the time. I'm also an author, so I've had that experience of pitching myself as a commentator and an expert to the media. And now as a PR, I do PR for people rather than for companies so I'm having to pitch them so I know that how hard it is. Well I'm looking forward to um, picking your brains a lot about that but in in journalism we talk a lot about the relationship between journalists and PRs what do you kind of think is the perfect harmony that we can strike between both sides? When I was a journalist I used to get really annoyed by PRs pitching like just really irrelevant things and now that I am a PR I understand the pressures that they're under they're under similar time pressures that journalists are you know when I was a journalist I just thought oh my god I'm so busy there's all these deadlines and demands it's the same when you're a PR so you haven't got time as a PR to really research what a publication is about or what a journalist looks like, even though the number one advice whenever you read online, you know, how to pitch to a journalist, journalists always say, don't be lazy, do your research, look what we write about. Well, we don't have time just in the same way that journalists don't have time to read an entire press release or an entire report that gets sent. So I think there needs to be some understanding on both sides that we're all busy. So PRs can help journalists by not sending them essays (laughs) and not sending them like great big reports and leaving it for them to extract the story. But likewise, journalists can give PRs a bit of a break and understand that they don't have the resources to understand on a deep level what every single publication is about and what they are about and sometimes they do just have to pitch blindly even though I am not an advocate of pitching blindly sometimes the PRs are under pressure to do that a from their clients or b from their managers. 
One thing I'd be interested to ask you is just to kind of go behind the curtain a little bit and explain to me some of the factors that lead to uh, a PR landing in my inbox. How does the mechanism work from the PR's end? What determines what stories you're trying to push out there? I think it'll be useful for journalists, as as I think you indicated, for us to just learn a little bit about the pressures from both sides. So for PRs, what kind of pressures do they face and what kind of uh, forces the agenda to get those stories widely seen in in the media? Yeah, so that's a great question because I am learning. You know, I've been a journalist for way longer than I've been a PR, so I'm actually learning that the answer to that question as I go along. And it's funny because when I was a journalist, I used to think, oh, it's like really easy being a PR. All you've got to do is pitch. And I thought actually the bulk of the job was just pitching to the media because as a journalist, that's all you see is them pitching. But actually, now that I am a PR, I see that it's not quite as simple as that. I think the biggest challenge and the biggest part of the job is coming up with a story that the client is happy with that is actually going to be a story. So I think it's the short answer to that question is pleasing the client with what you are actually pitching to the media and coming up with what is a good idea. So for example... Uh, because I do PR for individuals, uh, mostly like C-suite level executives. So, and I do a lot of thought leadership. That's what I specialize in. So typical of thought leadership is opinion pieces, op-eds. So everyone wants to get an op-ed on something like Indie Voices or Comment is Free in The Guardian. That's like gold dust. But Obviously, you've got to have an opinion to get that on there. There's two vital ingredients to getting an opinion piece. One is it's there's got to be a hook. You've got to have an opinion on something that is topical right now. So you've got to wait for the right story to come along. And B, you've got to have strong views or say something different or be borderline controversial. Not actually controversial, but just you've got to stick your neck out a bit so the challenge for PRs is getting the client on board with that because I think the media savvy clients will understand that you have to be you have to stick your neck out a bit the non-media savvy ones think it's a newsletter literally they think publication will publish a newsletter and I do a lot of ghost writing of opinion pieces because I'm an ex-journalist and the number of times I've sent something back to the client to look at and then they'll replace things like they'll they'll say things like classic wording would be we are proud to work in a company where we have 50% senior female members of staff or whatever it is like that's not for the media, you might put that on your website or you might put that in a newsletter, but that's not what is going to make news. But I, I, I'm sure for the journalists receiving that PR in the back of their mind, they're perhaps conscious that um, there might be a hundred different inboxes that have received this. So what I'm wondering is, can PRs lead to scoops? That's what journalists are after. They want original angles. They want original stats. How much leeway do you have to give that to journalists? Depends what type of story it is. And again, this all comes back to the formats, right? So you have to ask yourself, what are you pitching? Are you pitching a news story? Are you pitching an interview? Are you pitching an opinion piece? Are you pitching just a quick quote that could be used in a wider trends feature that might be in one of the broadcasts, for instance? And I think if you start with that, 
The rest is common sense. So if you're writing a press release and there's a clear news angle, like that is a clear top line, like something has been launched, something has opened, something, new reports are out, new statistics are out. When there's a clear, definable X has happened top line, that's a news story. And actually that would probably go as a press release. Um, So no, there isn't um, an expectation of exclusivity. If you're pitching an interview, so an interview is... um, is the realm of features. Yes, there is an expectation of exclusivity with that, especially if it's some, you know, um, celebrity interview or if they're saying something controversial or something unique. Um, yeah, then you might approach um, a publication or even better, a journalist that you've already got a connection with and say, uh, this is this is an exclusive. Uh, if you don't want it, I'll give you a couple of days. You can take it somewhere. And then, you know, if you don't want it, I'll take it somewhere else. Um, say if it's an opinion piece, then, yeah, that's got to be exclusive because you wouldn't run an opinion piece on, say, you know, Guardian comment is free and then also go and take it to the new statesman. So, but can you pitch to the same place is often a question I get. I run PR courses um, through a company called Nine Media. And that's a question we get asked a lot is like, how many people can you pitch to at the same time? And I think the answer to that is if, is it topical? Is it dependent on today? If it's an opinion piece, generally it is topical. So yes, I think it's okay to pitch the same story to three or four different outlets at the same time. And the first person that comes back to you uh, we'll get it. I don't know about you thinking back to your days in journalism, but I can often tell within the first couple of sentences whether it's a story I'm interested in. And I can often tell in the first few sentences whether it's something I'm rolling my eyes over and not. And I know it's not going to fit. So what I want to ask you is, can PRs develop that new sense? You know, I was 15 years as a journalist. Half of that was in broadcast newsrooms and half of that was as a freelancer um, in print publications, pitching stories blindly to features editors. So, I mean, I've just got this inbuilt sense of, of what is news. And it's really hard to get that if you've not worked in a newsroom. The best advice I can give to PRs is like, absorb, absorb, absorb publications and not just don't absorb the stories. It doesn't matter what the stories are. It's as I said before, absorb the format. So when you look at things, you don't even need to read the content. You just need to go, all right, that's an interview. Why is it an interview? Oh, they've just launched a new product. That's the hook for the interview. Okay, here's an opinion piece. Why is that an opinion piece today? Oh, okay, that's um, that's an engineer and he's talking about um i don't know you you find it's probably related to some sort of story that is in the news right now so um i don't know someone say there's an opinion piece about why we all aren't why too many teenagers are on facebook late at night okay you're then you're what a pr the useful exercise a pr can do is right why is that opinion piece published now oh it's because some new research was out about the damaging effects of Facebook right so that's the training that a newsroom gives you is the link between what is now and what is the content I mean and yeah that's that is the only way you can replace those years and years of being in a newsroom I mean I've been privy when I worked in in broadcast we used to sit in the planning meeting in the morning and you commodify like all these really emotional stories. I mean, journalists get so hardened. You know, we'd say something like, 
Oh, yeah, what about that story about that man climbing Kilimanjaro with one leg to raise money for some heart-wrenching cause? And people would go, yeah, it's a good story, but I know. We had, we had a charity story yesterday. And it's literally these decisions on whether you're going to cover something or whether something is a story are brutal and instant. And it's as if you're talking about stock in a stock room, but you're actually talking about emotional stories and people's lives. But the way that they're discussed in editorial meetings is just totally... um, cold they're no one's fault I mean that's just the way you know we handle news news is a product and that's how we discuss it so without being privy to that knowledge and that approach to news it's really hard I think for PRs to get that sense of what is a story and what is just considered to be too soft or or not new a lot of journalists might say that the biggest thorn in their side with press releases is fluff. Did you have any particular advice on that front? Yes. Now that I'm interviewing editors on like their gripes, uh, it, it's they, their comments follow a similar theme. So the first point, <laughs> the first point is to say not how great something is, but actually what something does. You've got to say what it does on the tin. For example, I used to write for the fitness pages of Metro quite a lot. They have something on a Thursday called Trends section. It's a whole like three pages and they cover fitness, dating and other lifestyle stuff. So and typically the typical format for articles would be, you know, journalist goes out and tries something a little bit, um, a little bit unusual. So I had a pitch from some PR looking, I'm going to keep it anonymous. So let's just say it was like a high intensity outdoor fitness session with lots of quirkiness. It's things like, you know, you sing as you do squats and you do, you bump into each other as one of the, it's like, it's like a quirky hit class. And the pitch just went on and on about how great it was, but it didn't actually say what it was. So I've got a little extract here, which it says, The workouts are hard. They wake up the next day and wonder if you were in a car accident hard. But what goes after a few weeks as you get stronger and fitter? The energy levels among the gang encourage you to push yourself to the limits, whether you are an elite runner, an 80-year-old grandma or a professional footballer. See that? So, right, that's what we call fluff, yeah? That is telling me how great it is. But I don't know what it is. So that's point number one. And I think the second big point is thing that I noticed when I used to get press releases all the time and still get press releases is that people give the background information first before the actual story. So they give an assessment of why you want to cover something before the what it is you want to cover. And an example I can give on this is a press release I received on some myofascial release therapy it's a type of like stretchy massage I think and it was this press release was all about how it can combat stress so instead of just starting the press release with this new trailblazing therapy can help with stress and such and such a person can give you a free session if you want to write about it Instead of that, the whole 
pitch started with a load of statistics about why it's important to combat stress. And it even had figures from the National Office of Statistics of like how many hours are lost in work due to stress. But all that information is already in the public domain and it's not new. That's background. So why on earth would you send like old information that's in the public eye to a journalist so that's my second point is start with what is new start with what the story is are there any uh pr words that you would um advise against any blacklist words i know we have a couple yeah again this is very personal i mean someone else might give you a completely different answer i hate the word furthermore in especially when it's in a quote right you've got because the whole point of a quote if you put a quote in either a pitch or a press release the whole point is that it's supposed to be conversational and it's supposed to read like a journalist taking that quote over the phone and it's supposed to give a human insight so you never use the word for I, have you ever heard someone use the word furthermore in a conversation and the other one is I am delighted you know what these bland quotes when I don't know there's some press release about um some new, I don't know, something like two companies have merged or or someone's selling a new product and it says, product developer Joe Bloggs says, it's got colon. Do PRs actually realise that those quotes are completely meaningless for a journalist? I don't think they do because they're following a formula that already exists and that every press release quote has the words, we are delighted that... XYZ. You will never ever read a quote that says we are delighted because a journalist won't use it unless they're really desperate for a story. So don't copy other press releases. Copy what has been used in a news story and just think for yourself a little bit. Is that actually something you advise against then in your work? You mentioned about your training that you do. Do you tell um, PRs to just sort of scrap those meaningless quotes? Do you tell them to try and get something with a bit more analysis, a bit more meat? Okay, so here's what. Here's my advice. So a press release should be the what and the when and the where, right? That's the factual stuff. But the how and the why comes in the quotes because that's the subjective bit and that's why you're getting an expert. You're getting a view on someone. You know, if there's a press release about, let's take the new the new yoga pants, for instance. So the press release will say what they are, when they're released, where they're being sold. The quote will be, oh, these are so wacky. They look a bit like red poppies on a whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You know, they'll give that, they'll give the colour. Like, it's the, the, the quote is the fun bit and the funny bit or the insightful bit. I mean, are PRs under the thinking that a press release needs to be really sparkly and jazzy? Because I think you said something quite re uh, revealing at the beginning, which is when you're sent a press release and a journalist has to work really hard to try and extract the information that they need, what's, what actually stops a PR from laying it out in much more simple terms and saying this is the top line, this is the key stat, as opposed to something which is really over the top and fluffy? I think because they don't know what the journalist is looking for and they don't know the format. So it all comes down to my approach, which I laid out at the beginning, which is think about the format, not the topic. You know, it's not about, oh, this journalist covers fitness. So let's just pitch every available angle we can think of fitness. Just think about what what format do they write about? Do they do interviews? Do they do features? Or are they do they cover news stories? So and just go with one thing at a time. So 
you might have a client, I have clients, right, where there are three different story ideas I have. So, for example, I've got a client now who has... um, has got a book out, right? It's brilliant for me because I've actually got something to PR. There is actually a story. It's a new book. So, but there are three different avenues I can go with this PR, right? I can uh, try and get a book review. So I could approach like digital publications that do that do lists of best business books and stuff like that. I could try and get him to do um, a bylined contributor guest post or like some sort of advice piece based on the advice in his book. Or I could um, get, I could try and suggest a feature idea to a features writer based on some of the themes in his book. Right, so there's three different ideas there. That's 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 three different pitches. So this book's about um, it's about entrepreneurship and how to build tech businesses. So if I contact a journalist from say somewhere like TechCrunch, which basically covers news stories to do with tech, I'm going to go with the top line of this book is out, this is what it covers, this is what's new, right? That's a news story. If I'm going to go to somewhere like Forbes.com and pitch him as um, to write a piece, some advice piece, it's going to be a totally different pitch because I'm going to go with, here's, here are his five top tips on how to build a tech business, right? That's massively simplifying it, but you get the picture. So... Yeah, that's what stops PRs, I think, being simple in their pitches. They try and they don't know what they're pitching. So they just try and get it all in the same press release. What's kind of the biggest thing you've learned about the world of PR that you didn't realise as a journalist? Just how hard it is to get clients to understand how hard it is to pitch to the press. (laughs) So I joked, I had one client that... I think just thought because I'm a PR, it means like there's a menu of where they can get into. So it's sort of like, oh, yes, well, we'd like to have a profile piece in The Times, please. And, um, oh, no, we're not bothered about um, The Telegraph because that's behind a paywall. But we'd really quite like to get into The Wall Street Journal as well, please. (laughs) And it's like that is reflected in, you know, Beyond the actual day-to-day work of a PR, it's reflected in the actual difficulty of running a business as a PR because your business model cannot be um, target-based. So I get a lot of clients who say, okay, well, um, for X amount per month, what am I going to get? Like, How many pieces of coverage am I going to get? What are the benchmarks? What are the KPIs? And PR is not a KPI a bull business, really. There are many um, people who claim it is, and um, there are many bits of AI-based software now that claim to, you know, measure your PR coverage and the impact that it's had on your followers and all this stuff. I'm not sure I buy all that, to be honest. I think PR and the media remains a very abstract commodity, but a very valuable commodity. Is that what success looks like uh, from a PR perspective, like the amount of bylines that you've... Is, is that the only thing to go by, or is there more than that? Well, that's interesting. That I think that... But this is where I fall short, because I'm, I do PR from a journalist's perspective. So I'm always going to think, oh, yeah... PR is all about earned media because that's my experience of it. I used to work in earned media and my impression of PRs was all they do all day is pitch to journalists. 
However, now that I'm in PR, I realise there's so much more to it. And it's also about advising them on messaging and advising them on positioning. And actually, that's probably where I need to build my strengths as a PR professional, because I know all about the media. I worked in it. So, yeah, in my eyes, success is get a profile piece in in the Sunday Times business, right? But for someone else, it might be, uh, no, keep let's keep out of the media. Or for someone else, it might be, no, we want to get this message into the media. And it's much more delicate than that. Helen, this has been really interesting. Lots of good advice there for PRs, which I hope to see practised in the uh, next press release landing in my inbox. And uh, for journalists, well, my main takeaway is that it's very possible to work with PRs to get a story that works for both sides. So um, thanks very much for joining us and for speaking to me and um, hope to stay in touch. You're welcome. Thanks to you as well at home or in the commute for tuning in. And don't forget our News Rewired conference will be here before you know it. It takes place on the 27th of November at Reuters in London. Head to newsrewired.com to grab yourself a ticket and for the full agenda, save the date and we'll see you there. Last but not least, if you'd like to feature on a journalism.co.uk podcast like this one, just drop us a message on Twitter at Journalism News. But that's all from me this week. Until next time.